I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome to episode 277 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And with this episode, we start our thrash discussion with my patrons. It was a three hour plus session on the Signals from Mars live stream. If you guys are ever wondering about becoming patrons, this is one of the perks is that the doors open to you and you are welcomed into being part of these types of shows, voting for the bands or the specific subjects that we're talking about here with, uh, in this case, the Thrash Special. So if you're unaware of how this takes place or how the voting uh, occurs, I had the patrons vote on their top 10 Thrash bands of all time. From there, they provided me with a list in order, and I assigned... 10 points to number one, nine points to number two, eight points to number three. You get the point all the way down to 10 who received one point. I tallied all of the scores up and that's how we came upon this list. There's a lot of cool banter here. There's a lot of cool stuff that is questioned. Why is this band there? Why aren't they higher? Why didn't this happen? Who voted for this band? Who didn't vote? (laughs) You know, there's, There's a lot of different things that's going on here. So in this three hour plus journey, which is split up into three episodes, this is 277, 278, and 279, they will include an hour each, more or less. And if you follow it, you'll get to the end and find out who was voter number one. The voting was very close very tight and it was really cool. So I hope that you guys enjoy this series of shows and let's see, give me your feedback. Hopefully this entices you to become a patron. And I mean, it's great. Okay, sure. Uh, There's economic benefit for me for somebody to become a patron, but also it's just fun talking to other music lovers about these subjects about the music that we love. People keep telling me over and over again how this reminds them about being a kid growing up, talking about music with their friends. So join us. Hopefully this will be, you know, the the jump on point. Everyone is lovely in the group, believe me. So anyway, without further ado, let's hop on into the part one of our thrash discussion. Welcome one and all to the July 1st edition of the Signals from Mars live stream. We are here joined in the first hour of the show by patrons of mine from around the world. Um, We have, all right, going clockwise here, we have Jeremy in the UK. We have Johan in Sweden. We have uh, Anthony in Ireland. And we have Ed in Middle America. You're in Kentucky, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I don't want to screw that up. But the last time I think I said North Carolina or something like that, I was like, oh, I'm that's, that's pretty close. I can be there quickly. Oh, there you go. That's true. They do border with one another. They used to be part of North Carolina. Um, anyway, so we're here for our thrash discussion. This is based on what patrons voted on. And uh, if you are watching this, whether live or in the replay or listening to the podcast version, of this episode will be split up into two episodes. Each hour will get its own separate episode. And um, this is basically what patrons voted on. So 
just so you guys know, those that aren't in the know, each patron submitted their 10 favorite thrash bands. Number 10 got, or excuse me, number one got 10 points. Number two got nine points all the way down to 10, which received one point. So after adding all of that up, this is our list. The 29 best thrash bands of all time. There will be some discussion along the way as to whether some of these bands are thrash or not. And uh, if you have a problem with any of that, and become a patron and let your voice be heard. So it, it, is, it is that simple. Um, let's see. We do have uh, Jose in the chat. Uh, hello, sir. Hope uh, you and the family are doing well. And uh, let's see here. So kicking things off at 29. I do believe this band classifies as a thrash band. You could argue whether um, they're a throwback band, a retro thrash band, whether they're original or not. But at the end of the day, they are plenty entertaining, I think. Uh, I believe they are from Virginia. And this is Municipal Waste coming in at 29. So a band that uh, really... Drinks from that suicidal tendencies well with a crossover um, thrash, uh, hardcore punk, however you want to qualify it. But um, no problem. Um, let's see here. At number 20. Oh, no, that was actually 30. My bad. All right. Mm. That was 30. So there are, we do have 30 bands. I'm looking at the Excel sheet and getting my numbers mixed up here. Anyway, at number 29 is a band that I love. I absolutely love this band. I don't know if I would consider them thrash or not. Number 29 is Life of Agony. Now, mm -hmm. they have stuff at the beginning of their career that, again, maybe you could consider some thrash things here and there. But I've always thought of them being more of a have more of a hardcore influence, more of an influence from, I don't know, um, stuff like, well, I've had Joey Z on the show. He's talked about not only playing in Carnivore, but being influenced by a band like Carnivore, being influenced by Typo Negative, being influenced by Misfits, stuff like that. So um, they're they're a great metal band and a great hard rock band at this point, but I, I don't know that I would consider Life of Agony uh, a thrash band. Ed, instantly you shook your head. Your comments. Yeah, I, I did not expect you to list that band on this list. <laughs> I've, I've not listened to a lot of them, but I remember listening to a couple of my friend's CDs that he had, and I didn't hear anything thrash metal. I think right. your description was way more on point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, th I think that they have passages here and there in their music that could be considered thrash, definitely. Uh, but again, I think more of a hardcore crossover type thing. And I mean, after their third album, um, they definitely transitioned into being something completely different. They really went more in a hard rock vein. And even though they are still a heavy band, um, I don't think that after their second album, there's really a lot there that could even be mixed in with thrash personally that's just me mm -hmm. um number 28 the first band from europe on here this is destruction is on the list at 28 that makes sense yeah uh, johan giving it the thumbs up um anyone want to comment on destruction okay I am enjoying their newest album probably better than most of their records. Okay. Um, they've, you know, they, they get better with each release, I think. Not, okay. not, not a band that I've listened to a lot of, mm -hmm. but, you know, compared to Creator. Right. But, uh, yeah, they're still hanging in there, doing good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next band, at 27... I would not consider a thrash band 
at all. <laughs> Similar to the life of agony. Uh, again, um, 27 is typo negative. No way. Uh, there are things here and there, like you could listen to a song like We Hate Everyone, where, yes, there's fast double bass stuff going on and whatnot. But I don't know that, again, that I that I would say that they were thrash. Again, Pete Steele's previous band, Carnivore. I could see them being considered more thrash than, than Typo, but this is what people voted for. I can't control what people have voted for, so I'm just <laughs> repeating what, um, what made the list. So, uh, at 26 here, uh, we have Ink, which is one that Ed voted for. Is this... Um, Ink, you're, you're referring to, uh, is it uh, International Noise Control? Is that the name of nope. it? No, Indestructible Noise Command. Indestructible Noise Command. Jesus. I, yeah. I, they came out in like 87. They had mm-hmm. another album in 88 that me and my friends had a vinyl of and passed around and listened to all the time. Uh, they were gone for a lot of years, came back sometime after 2000, put out two or three releases since then. Yeah. They're still... They still seem to be going pretty strong. Very good uh, band, though. Anybody who hasn't heard them, you should go check them out. You'll enjoy it. I actually interviewed their guitarist a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Ago. I remember listening to that now. Yeah. And um, it's funny because they're from, I think, Connecticut, if I'm not mistaken, originally. But he's been living in Greece for like 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was a very interesting interview you had with them. Yeah. And this is going back to, I think, the first album where they came back after I don't know how many years, but I I remember enjoying it. And um, again, working on a a big playlist recently, I I included music off of uh, off of that release because I think uh, they had some pretty good stuff on there, maybe stuff that bridged a little more. Um, groove metal type stuff, but definitely still a lot yeah. of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was still an interesting release. At twenty five, a band that's done a little of everything, and I think if newer fans of this band see them listed, I think that they would have, they may have an issue with them due to the fact that their popularity came from doing more of a uh, stoner rock or, or stoner metal type thing, but they've done everything from punk to industrial stuff to a lot of different things. Corrosion of conformity is number 25. And again, a, a band that um, much of their credit has done a lot of things throughout the years. Obviously, after Blind and um, what's the album with uh, Albatross? Cleansing? No, Cleansing is Prong. Um, geez, I don't remember. Anyway, that album, which was the first one with Pepper Keenan on lead vocals, became their biggest album. So they were known more for that type of material than, uh, than maybe more of their punk rock or more of their thrashier um material but yeah they definitely changed their sound and they're nothing like they used to be right but as but especially those first few records are so good i'm happy to be talking about them yeah um in your opinion though i mean do you like everything that they've released you know obviously they've done a lot of different things yeah well you know i've got all these records on my itunes library and uh, so I hear a song here and there from all the uh, latter records, and mm-hmm. it's always a good listen. Not as fun, of course, as Animosity and Blind and Deliverance, but right, and especially Eye to Eye. But uh, it's a good band. Yeah, Deliverance is the album that I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, very good record. I listened to that one a lot. Yeah. So definitely uh, songs like uh, I Know What I Screwed Up, Clean My Wounds is what I was thinking of, which was like the second big song off of that album. Yeah, number three. Yeah. 
Um, so let's see. So let me just run those back real quick at 30 municipal waste, 29 life of agony, 28 destruction, 27 typo negative, 26. We have INC and at 25, we have corrosion of conformity. Uh, anyone want to make any comments about any of these bands that have appeared so far? All right, moving on here. We want to also welcome Metal Dan, who has joined us out in California there. Nice to have you. Um, to quote Bruce Dickinson, nice to see you. To see you is nice. So uh, there you go. Uh, number 24 is a California band, actually. Um I did get to interview one of their sing one of their members, but for a different project. And unfortunately, he now has Parkinson's. Um, Jack Starr, I think, is his name, but the band is uh Vicious Rumors at 24. I don't think that's a band that we could dispute being um thrash, although they they have wandered in and out of thrash and heavy metal. More, you know, more of probably their influences of Priest and Maiden and stuff like that from time to time. But they've still put out, you know, a decent amount of uh, thrash over the years. Uh, Do you have a a recommended album? I've not listened to this band before. Vicious Rumors. I think within their latter few years, they've kind of gone more... Uh, back into a heavier, heavier type of vibe. I think during the eighties, they had a mix of a little of everything kind of because it was, you know, they, they were trying to find where they were fitting, fitting in. And then I think as of just look at their discography here. Yeah. So they went away for a while. They went away in the late nineties or no, wait, no, I'm screwing this. Yeah. They've been kind of consistent. Yeah, they have been kind of consistent. 85, 88, 90, 91, 94, 96, 98, 2001. Um, Warball is the one in 2006 is the one where they, what I think would probably be considered their comeback album. Cool. Um, I'll check it out. Yeah. And every Razorback Killers. I mean, everything they've put out since then has been kind of like more in the vein of, of Warball. Cool. So I think that would probably be a good place to uh, jump on to the band. 23. Band out of New York. New York. Um, We have Nuclear Assault. A band that got a lot of airplay back when I was growing up on the local metal station on WSOU. Um, Headbangers Ball way back when played Quite a few nuclear assault videos. Uh, they were always on decent labels, which I'm sure facilitated that. Um, also, their connection to Anthrax with Dan Lilker being in the band probably um, helped out quite a bit. So uh, they're in at number 23. All right. Uh, number. 22 coming back to Europe we have there you go metal dan is saying vicious rumors don't wait for me so there you go um at 22 we have sodom a band that you know as a kid i always remember seeing these great covers which rivaled anything that maiden was doing you know and and it was something that was always really kind of exciting for me you know to see something that cool so um they're also a band that's still been putting out albums over the years and and obviously you know out of the bigger thrash bands out of europe i mean whenever you talk about european thrash sodom has always been in the conversation so, um, anyone uh, a fan of their work? Anyone remember any of their artwork or anything like that? You may want to 
mention them? Yeah, the the new album is very good. It, it's um, Genesis X1X, really good album. I got a, I got into them by listening to that album, really, and then sort okay. of worked back through a bit of the back catalogue, but it's good. Yeah. I think that one, like Destruction, probably sounds better than some of their past catalogue. I think they've been my least favorite of the German bands, uh, mainly because of the vocalists. But okay. yeah, still a mm-hmm. legendary band. I mean, they've been around since we all got started in the yeah. early 80s with all this extreme metal when it was first coming out. Yeah. Uh, Johan, did you want to add something? Yeah, uh, I saw Sodom just uh, ah, two weeks ago at Sweden Rock. Uh, and uh, actually, Sodom were one of the best bands there. Huh, okay. Uh, yeah. They were uh, a fresh, how fresh you can be when you were, in, <laughs> when you were <laughs> old guys, but they were, it was a fresh uh, breath of air. They were uh, so good, and I have seen Sodom many times, but... Uh, uh, with their new lineup and uh, new songs and the old songs, uh, they followed uh, Eclipse. Eclipse were amazing. But when Sodom went on uh, a couple of hours later on the same stage, you saw what uh, Eclipse missed. Uh, they have, uh, uh, what do you say? Um, they were, um, they, oh, oh, it's hard to say in English, but, you know, they owned the stage and they owned go, yeah. the audience. Like, uh, they were so, you know, they were, they had played before, you know, uh, and Sodom were, um, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed by Sodom this time. They were really, really good. Uh, sorry for the bad English, but uh, no, I have, a, I have something fun. in my mind. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I stopped there. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that's a good point, though. You were mentioning this about um, uh, you know Sodom and um, and and destruction, for example. Is this a byproduct of you know the pandemic, which is something that I've brought up a, a lot? you know, recently with bands putting out albums, you know, did they have more time to work on material and maybe um, get a a good set of uh, songs put together uh, because they don't have the pressure of one of these labels saying, hey, you know, we signed you to a, a, a six album deal and we need to have, you know, uh, album number five delivered next week. So without that pressure, did that help these bands get better? Uh, you know, compositionally wise from a production standpoint. And also, you know, a lot of people always clamor for, oh, we want the original lineup. We want this, we want that. But a lot of times bringing in fresh blood into the band, you know, will will help because maybe you don't have that same tired guy that's just there to collect the paycheck and doesn't give a crap. Whereas maybe you bring in a, a guy that's in his 20s or 30s who wants to prove something and, you know, he's able to add another dimension to the band that maybe they hadn't had in a long time. You know, maybe it also um, kicks the main man in the ass to, you know, up his game and and do things. You know, that that's why I'm not as begrudging as a lot of people with, oh, you know, if it's not the the original lineup from 68, you know, the band sucks. Well, you know, when the drummer can't play anymore, when the guitarist doesn't care if he's sloppy on stage anymore or doesn't care about his solos anymore, then maybe it's time to to fill their place with somebody else. I don't know, just my opinion. But um, what do you guys attribute to uh, some of these older bands being this late in their career and being able to kick it up a notch? Mm, good question. They obviously are um, driven by the chops that they've had their whole life. And maybe you're right. Maybe because they've had some extra time to sit around and relax and then write and record. Of course, technology keeps getting better. 
Right. Um, I feel like that helped Sodom and Destruction. Their records seem heavier and sound better. Uh, Creator, something sounds different about that record. It sounds a little less heavy, I think. I kind of expected that one to come out as heavy as, you know, what was it, Phantom Antichrist, the last couple? Right. uh, Yeah, it sounded a little more melodic. I'm not getting into that one as much. What do you guys think? Yeah, for for me, I actually do enjoy the creator because I do think it's more diverse than some of the previous albums. It is more diverse, yeah. Yeah, so that that kind of impressed me. Where again, I think it's it's similar to that. It's shown that bands having two years to kind of put an album together instead of two months, maybe, <laughs> has really helped. You know, from a sonic standpoint. Mm-hmm. From, from like you just mentioned, the production standpoint to help a lot of these bands sound cleaner, but heavier at the same time. You know, it, it seems as if a lot of bands have recorded the album of their career because they've had that time in it. And it kind of speaks to maybe the fact that some of these bands need to do that in order to continue to be vital and continue to, to have a career. Because let's be honest, if a creator of Sodom or Destruction are putting out a new album every year and they're still just touring on greatest hits, people aren't going to be coming out to see that show. It's not going to be as likely as if they're coming around maybe every two or three years. You know, Jeremy's wearing a Testament shirt. Testament has gotten into the groove of, of um, putting out new albums every five years. And I think that since they've done that, I mean, and that's no disrespect to anything that they've done before Formation of Damnation. But I think that they really have seen within a band internally that they need to do that to consistently put out a good product. Now, I don't know if that has to do because of the way that, you know, Chuck Billy and Eric Peterson now work with Alex Skolnick being back in the band. Because I think that Low Demonic and The Gathering are great albums as well. Mm-hmm. And they sure didn't take five years to, to record in, in between any of those, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, may, maybe as they've gotten older, they've needed different things to, um, to mature and to be able to, you know, put out consistently good material, consistently good stuff that's produced by someone like an, an Andy Sneap. Um, and they, they go out and they tour on this stuff. You know, they don't rely on just the hits. So the quote unquote hits, because how many thrash bands actually have hits, but, uh, anyway, the classics, I should say, I guess. Um, anyway, so at 21 is a band that we kind of touched upon just now is not Testament, but creator is that. Number 21, a band that's very deserving of being on here. I would think most of us would agree it's probably the biggest name in European thrash. Mm-hmm. Um, they've uh, go ahead. Surprised they're not higher up on the list, actually. Yeah. I, I think, well, you know what it is with these lists, a lot of it has to do where people end up voting for them. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Because we also have to think of the magnitude of some of the bands that are close to the top where a lot of people coincided with them being maybe within their first five picks, whereas Creator was closer to the bottom of people's lists. They, mm-hmm. they were on a lot of different lists, but they were closer to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with some of these bands, they could appear on two or three lists But if they were voted on very high, it meant that they ranked very high as well. So um, anyway, so with Creator, and I do think with Creator, I, I think probably their biggest knock is that they've probably been more of a band that's followed waves as opposed to kind of led certain things because I think that they have been a band that's tried a lot of things over the years. They've had industrial albums. They've had, you know, different things where, you know, whatever the, um, 
the 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 flavor of that point in time when they were releasing an album, they they've followed certain trends over the years, and I think that that's kind of lost people as well. So um, uh, I don't know. Uh, so you guys are saying that creators should be should be up higher. You guys are surprised with that. Uh, yeah, me for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think uh, they are uh, one of the most important band in the genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are consistent, and uh, since uh, uh, Violent Revolution, they are you know an, an important band for the genre. So mm, uh, I think they are. They're good. They are, the, for me, they are the genre. Okay. Bands like, bands like Creator, they are this genre. Mm-hmm. The other bands were in the genre or, you know, like that, but Creator is the genre. Okay. Uh, I agree. Yeah. You can react to that, please. <laughs> I've I've known, like I said, uh, plenty of fans that are plenty of friends that were fans of the band that have jumped off it at different points in time uh, with the band. And, and I know that when they have come back around to some of the more thrashier stuff where some people have kind of said, well, too little, too late kind of a deal where, you know, they kind of lost hope or, or moved on to other things because they had gotten you know, a disillusion with some of the stuff that they did, for example, in the nineties. So, um, I mean, that's why, and, and it's interesting because there's something else similar to what I said with a band that's in the top 10 that I've had a, a fairly respectable, um, musician say something similar. So I'll mention that then. Um, so Metal Dan is saying that creator headline dates through the U.S. a few years back went over well, large size clubs too. So, I mean, I'm not disputing that they don't have a, a diehard audiences. Uh, it's just, again, I think that a lot of people voted for them, but just closer down to, you know, they were, they were in the eights, nines and ten slots for a lot of people. So, um, Let's see, number 20, a band that I wouldn't consider thrash myself, but I'm not, an, I'm not a huge fan of this band, so uh, I'm, I, I plead ignorance on this for at 20. And at 20, we find another band from Virginia. They are Guar. Hmm. I've always seen them more as a... Uh, just a straight up heavy metal band, more so than a thrash band. I mean, again, similar to what I said about Life of Agony before. Are there passages in songs or are there songs that maybe you could consider thrash? Possibly. But from my small knowledge of the band, I've never heard anything that would make me say, you know, that that they were uh, a, th- a thrash band. But if you look at for example, um, the, the great Wikipedia's list of thrash bands, they're listed in there. So what do I know? <laughs> uh, Metal Dan is saying not thrash. Ed is saying that that is correct. He echoes that sentiment. Is anyone here a big Guar fan? Because I think that Guar fans are very diehard. And if we had a diehard, could maybe similar to clutch fans are very specific with how they categorize them. I believe, especially with early clutch fans. Um, so, uh, real quickly here, let's just run down the bands that, um, that we've mentioned so far at 30, we have municipal waste, 29 life of agony, 28 destruction. 27, Typo Negative. 26, INC. 25, Corrosion of Conformity. 24, Vicious Rumors. 23, Nuclear Assault. 22, Sodom. 21, Creator. 
And at 20, we have Guar. All right. Are there are there any other bands besides Creator that you guys feel should have been higher up on out of the ones that I've mentioned? I mean, there have been a few that I think people have said are not thrash, but out of the the others, are there any that you guys think should have been up up a lot higher, uh, similar to what people have been saying about Creator? I was thinking maybe go. Uh, I was thinking maybe Sodom, um, but I tell you what Ed says about the singer. Um, it's maybe holds the band back a little bit, but I, I think that maybe they would have been a bit higher. I think that they contributed to thrash metal, you know, something in the past, which is, um, you know, it's, it's distinctive. So it's um, something that would have pushed them up the, the order a little bit. Yeah, his vocals almost have kind of a black metal flavor to it. Yeah. In the mood for sometimes. Yeah. Or that's the way, the impression I get. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The, mu- the music is better than the vocal, and, and that's, uh, you know, something that I've sort of focused on more, really. Um, but, yeah, I just expect that maybe they'd be, be a bit higher. And that and that's an interesting point because if we really think back to the origins of early thrash and a lot of the bands that we're going to talk about here, I mean, I don't think that there's anyone that you could mistake for a, a Ronnie James Dio or a Bruce Dickinson or anyone like that. But I think that they're heavily influenced by those types of bands. And I do think that people that were fans of Priest and Maiden and stuff like that easily got into a lot of these thrash bands. So to instantly go from a Bruce or a Ronnie or a Halford to um, I, I don't want to give away any of the, any of what's up higher, but you guys know know what I'm going for. To go for almost like a, a black metal type singer, especially in the mid 80s was probably a much harder sell. Now, if we talk about the late 80s, early 90s, where death metal started to take off and we started to get a lot more in, in the realm of guttural vocals, I could I could see where someone like, where you could say that someone like a Sodom was maybe a few years ahead of the curve, especially with the vocals. Mm-hmm. Johan, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh- you know, Tom uh, Angel Ripper of uh, Sodom, he had, uh, he has, uh, you know, uh, charisma that I was surprised to because I haven't seen Sodom for a few years. And I mean, what Sodom was one of the best bands I saw at Sweden Rock. And he, uh, he, he owned the audience and there was a big crowd to watch Sodom, a big crowd. So, uh, yeah, I'm surprised that Sodom is so low on the list, but hey. I'll have to look up that's that's how on YouTube based on your experience there, see if they're yeah. live. Yeah, yeah, they were, uh, they were great. I really Excellent. And, yeah. and as you mentioned, total opposite end of the spectrum from, from Eclipse. So to go from Eclipse to Sodom, that's something that you wouldn't see in the States. Um, I've seen Journey into Hatebreed. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> interesting mixes that uh, that promoters have over here, which is cool. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I Sodom were, Eclipse were, you know, great. But when Sodom came on, they were, you know, they owned, they had the, you know, that it was a big difference. It was right. a great difference. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. No, that's fine. I think, I think the good thing too, with having something like that is also not only that you cater to a lot of different audiences, but at the same time, if you enjoy music, um, you shouldn't be ashamed to like Sodom and Eclipse. You know, where in the past there, you know, were people that, oh, no, 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 you can't like, you can only like one genre of metal, if not you're a sellout or you're a poser, which is dumb. So, 
Anyway, moving forward. Enough of me preaching. Um, another band that is connected to the Anthrax family tree. At number 19, we have M.O.D., a band that in my neck of the woods got a lot of airplay. Uh, whether you guys know who Eddie Trunk is now or not, Eddie Trunk used to play the crap out of MOD <laughs> back in the day. Um, not only because he was friends with all of those guys, but because he worked with uh, Megaforce Records, who MOD was obviously on originally. Um, so stuff like Get a Real Job got played every single week. And this is a band that I don't think gets mentioned as much as they probably should. But -hmm. at the same time, I understand why, because you have a Billy Milano who is, you know, half, uh, half out to sea, uh, said a lot of controversial things over the years has said stuff about the guys in anthrax stuff about politics, stuff about other bands and is really like, um, not not done too many favors for himself and his career. So uh, it's unfortunate, but I, I do think that this is a band that does deserve to be there. And obviously it was a continuation of what SOD started to be and what he wanted to continue. But obviously those guys had their day jobs. So uh, Billy just went off in his uh, own direction. But uh, anyone want to comment on MOD and their importance? Well, that first MOD record's pretty legendary. Yeah. You know, what was that, 87, maybe? Yeah. I think 88. Uh, I'm surprised to hear them. I thought you were about to say SOD. Right. Uh, so that was surprising. But yeah, man, I'll never forget how much we listened to that record back then. And and it is, if they still hold the record, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, for having the shortest video on MTV. <laughs> it's it's something, the, the video is 13 seconds long and in a classic MOD fashion, the song is like two seconds or a second and a half long. Yeah. So the video is longer than the actual song itself. So. 18. A band that um, initially I was surprised that they made it on this list. But at the same time, I'm not because uh, it's a band that in recent years was really flying the flag for thrash metal was probably the biggest out of the newer thrash metal bands. And at this point, they're in limbo. We don't know what's going to happen with them, whether they continue or not. But at 18, it is Power Trip. Um, A band whose uh, singer, unfortunately, OD'd, I think it was last year. And um, they were, again, they were like the band that was like going to be the next big band. I mean, if you think about kind of the evolution of bands that have come along along the years, Power Trip started getting that same like press that Lamb of God and Kill Switch Engage was getting maybe 10 years before them. Um, started getting the press that, you know, other bigger bands started getting um, at one point in their career. And it's a shame that something like, uh, like that happened with uh, Riley Gales, I believe his name was. Um, I know their guitarist. Uh, put out something on social media about a week ago, something alluding to new beginnings or something like that. And uh, a lot of the metal sites have been speculating, you know, does that mean that Power Trip is continuing with another singer? Does it mean that it's going to be a completely different project? You know, what, what, what the, uh, what the story is going on there? I mean, you could, it isn't exactly thrash, but it's kind of in the vein of what Suicide Silence was at one point in time, where they were really taking off, and their lead singer died in a motorcycle accident, um, and that kind of stinted their their growth. Um, anyone want to uh, speak to Power Trip? Go ahead, Dan. 
Yeah, check out on YouTube. Check out House of Strombo. 16 minutes of perfection. Won't take you long. If you're not familiar, it's kicks ass. Uh, they take over. It's just, it's, it's a video thing that they do of other bands that they've used. This this little house and they dominate. And uh, it should, I just wish it was longer. Why why do they only play for 16 minutes? I guess it's part of the rules of the video of the guy that puts the whole thing together. Uh, How do you spell that? House of House? Strombo. S-T-R-O-M-B-O. I see it. Yeah, you put it up on your big screen TV, turn it up loud, and it just goes, man. It's like these guys were about ready to conquer. They came around here in the States, and I stupidly missed each time, but I didn't know Raleigh was going to pass away. They were going to be the next thing, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah. It's... They had one album, basically. They have before that as well, too. But that stuff didn't take on like this. Uh, the latest release did. That's what really introduced them to the world. So, Yeah. And he was he appeared on the last Body Count album. He appeared on, you know, other stuff. They were, again, getting that crossover press that was, you know, really going to going to catapult them. It's it's really, really a shame. Ed, do you have the album there? Yeah, it's good enough to buy on vinyl, I think. Yeah. <laughs> there there you go. As being the thrash connoisseur that you are, um do, do you agree with what I'm saying? Do you do you yeah. feel, what are what's your opinion on the band? Yeah, to me they're a crossover thrash band, you know, like they uh, make you think of DRI and right. uh old old suicidal tendencies, you know, those first uh Probably at least two records of suicide, mm-hmm. or well, actually, probably more than that. Yeah, and uh, you know all the all that crossover thrash from the mid to late eighties. That's where they take you back to. Yeah. Yeah. What What would you guys prefer to have happen here? Do you want them to continue? Do you want them to be a different entity? Yeah, they got to keep going. The guitar player, the whole band is talented. Whoever is writing the riffs, I don't know. If Raleigh was responsible, the thing with Power Trip also, and I tried to get the great Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal, um, I tried to get him to interview and I tried other people to get them and they were kind of quiet. They, uh, I don't know what their deal is. So good luck trying to get them on, but there's got to be talent in there in that band. I assume the guitar player is writing some of those riffs. So they're, if they can do it, they should do it if they need time. Yeah, I I speculate that given the amount of publicity they got, because they were also on, um, they were mainstays uh, for about a year. They appeared several times on a few uh, wrestling pay-per-views, for example, and that only goes out to bands that have big management or have money behind them. I mean, we're talking about, um, Hailstorm was in that. Nita Strauss was mixed in with that. Code Orange got a lot of press from that. So I got to think that these guys probably have, you know, a big management company behind them. So that's probably what was harder for for someone like Mark to get them. I'm not saying that he 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 didn't try to get them. It, maybe he probably wasn't you know able to get them. I don't think they wanted to talk to really anybody. They're okay. They're hard to find. And I don't, so it wasn't that it's just the way maybe their management company didn't want them to deal with podcast suck, you know, or their opinion or whatever. Yeah. yeah but yeah. also, you know, they play power trip swing of the axe at the hockey arenas and all that. <laughs> they were just ready to be yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the next Metallica in my opinion. And, and just goes to show how, <laughs> What a band they are. I'm seeing real quickly on uh, Wikipedia. Uh, Riley is saying that the guitarist, who I guess is who writes the majority of the music, uh, his favorite bands are Killing Joke, Stone Roses, and Susie and the Banshees. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, to have that type of an influence and still put out, you know, um, this type of thrash metal is very commendable. They make me think of nuclear assault a lot too, I think. Right. Those very those early anthrax records and right. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I get where you're going. <laughs> um, all right. So at 17. Um, and see, there's a few bands that go by this name. And unfortunately, the person who voted for them is is not present. So I can't ask which band this is. But at 17, Gravedigger. Because if I'm not mistaken, there's a German band that's called Gravedigger. There's a Swedish band called Gravedigger as well. There's another one where it's Gravedigger, where it's not two separate words. So um, Gravedigger is 17 on this list. And would any of you consider one of the Gravediggers that you guys know to be a thrash band? I don't know of any myself. Gravedigger is a, you know, classic German thrash band. Yeah. Okay. They okay. are uh, not not the best, but I'm. Uh, they have a, they have a higher ranking than uh, creator. Creator, because somebody voted them really high on their list. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So surprise. Are they a <laughs> nuclear blast? That must be them. Yeah. See the the grave digger that I know of is more of like a doom metal band more so than than a thrash metal band but mm-hmm. again it could be a band that initially was a thrash band and maybe evolved to doom i don't know but again there's i know of several bands that go by this name so well message that guy later and have him tell us what we should listen to <laughs> we'll do and at uh, number 16, which is where we were going to draw the line here before um, uh, the, the top of the hour. But we'll see. I don't, I'm not sure if anyone else is going to join us. So we may just hop on into 15 and just keep going. But uh, anyway, 16, I don't know if I would consider them a full on thrash band because they have a lot of um, progressive elements to them. They have a lot of um, straight up heavy metal elements to them as well. Um, The band is Nevermore. Really? Okay. Yes. Um, Would any of you guys consider Nevermore to be a straight-up thrash band? No. No. But they were a power metal group or something. Um, I think that there were a little of a lot of different things. You know, I think they were excellent players. Obviously, Jeff Loomis, who is a ridiculous player. Um, Steve Smythe, who also played in Testament for a little bit and has a band called uh, One Machine, who I get to, um, oddly enough, he says happy birthday every year to me. Uh, But, uh, you know, um, I I don't know. I, I... enjoy them because of their musicianship, but I don't know that I would consider them a thrash band. And several people did vote for them. They, uh, they do get that thrash metal tag on discogs on some of the records. Okay. So, you must not be the only one. Yeah. So, um, and obviously they sprouted from sanctuary, obviously the band sanctuary. Um, oh, yeah. I saw them in Cincinnati once back in the eighties. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so that is the 30 through 16. Obviously, the, the biggest, I guess, sticking point for people up to now has been creator not being higher. Um, now I wonder, as we start to divulge 15 to 1, if that same argument will be present. Because I do think that a lot of the bands that we're going to be seeing uh, are heavy hitters. Now, you can argue whether they're thrash or not, maybe with some of these. And I mean, you know, somebody voted for Poison, for example. But uh, no, I'm just saying that for shock factor, seeing, uh, <laughs> seeing the reactions. No, nothing, nothing even close to that. But. Um, uh, before going on, there were there were a few uh, people talking about 
uh, who they thought might come out on top. Uh, if you guys were to bet right now, who do you guys think ends up winning? And I purposely wore an Iron Maiden t-shirt today because it's the first time that we're doing one of these shows and Iron Maiden cannot win. <laughs> so, uh, they might, they might, yes. They, they might still <laughs> <win>. yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Metal Dan is representing as well. So, um, I mean, it's, any, it's, I just any, thinking it's, it's got to be Metallica, hasn't it? I mean, come on, they, they are the, the greatest thrash metal band ever. Well, We'll see if everyone concurs with you. Um, does everyone feel that same way that Metallica is going to come out on top? <laughs> I think it should be Slayer, but okay. most likely will be Metallica. And uh, I'll drink to that either way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think Metallica is not aging as well. I think they'll be the number one because okay. of the votes, but. I think that's why you have to put out new material. So we'll get to that when we talk about the band, but okay. Mm-hmm. That's all I'll say. Johan, you, you were shaking your, you, you were saying the, uh, yeah, no, you were looking like the Kembe Mutombo there for a second. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I, to be honest with you, uh, guys, I, uh, I, uh, left out Metallica totally in my votes because, what? I th- I think we have spoken enough about Ride Lightning, Kill Em All, Master of Puppets. Enough said. So there are a lot of other bands that uh, deserve the spotlight this night. So uh, I left them out totally. Wow. Yeah, that's that's uh, quite a quite a thing to say. Quite and your thing. move will probably get my Slayer in the top spot. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be another band, so, yeah. To be honest, haven't we spoken enough about, you know, Ride the Lightning? I mean, it's a good album. It's 10 out of 10, of course, but there are a lot of other albums that uh, fell in the shadow of Metallica. Well, we, so we can... We that's can how I feel. We can talk about Lulu if you want, or S&M, nope. or... You don't, you don't want to... You don't want to talk about Lou Reed saying spermless like a girl for seven and a half minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but everyone's entitled to a mistake. I, I think as much as much as I love that band, they're the classic example of their people around them, specifically management being yes men and not knowing when to say you know what? That's not a good idea, guys. Um, playing with an orchestra and having two separate things going on in each ear is not a good idea. Um, or, you know, I think Lulu, honestly, if if they wouldn't have made it out the way that they did with Lou Reed singing on it, you know, no, I, I enjoy Lou Reed in Lou Reed, but I don't enjoy Lou Reed singing over Metallica riffs. You know, and unfortunately, um, I've always felt that that's them trying to cater to the indie rock press, which, you know, you're a band that big. Do you honestly need to please everyone? I mean, had that album have gone off gangbusters, would they have recorded a bluegrass album? Would they have done a rap album? Would they have done, you know, what other genres would they have tried? You know, and I'm and I've been really flexible i think with them because there's a lot of albums that people hate like satan anger where i still find things off of that that i enjoy but there comes a point where a lulu just doesn't cut it for me anyway anthony what what do you think what what do you think is the top spot oh it's more than likely metallica okay like it just probably is (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay we are all right so we are with this ending the first hour of the show almost on time here about a minute early but we will be now counting down uh 15 to 1 so um hopefully if you're listening to the podcast you hop on over to the next episode 
and you check out what people voted for. And we'll see. Did creator, should have creator ended up in the second hour or were they rightfully in the first hour? We'll see. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 